This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I pray right now that the Lord would speak to each of us where we are, that in this moment of reflection, of listening, and of feasting together, we might leave here differently. Won't you say collectively, amen, as you take your seats. This morning in the gospel text, we encounter Jesus in the wilderness. In this conversation of the wilderness, Jesus is encountered by a mighty opponent who, at Jesus' most vulnerable, tempts him. Tempts him with stones and commands those stones through Jesus to become bread. Tempts him with the assurance of God's presence by saying, if you're the son of God upon this pinnacle, throw yourself down. And this God that you claim to serve and be from as son will come and send angels concerning you and bear you up. Tempts him with power and says that if you bow down and worship me, Satan tells him, all these I will give you. And in that moment of each of the temptations, Jesus has a defense, and in some instances, an offense that leads him on to victory. So this morning, I'd like us all to focus in on the topic, winning in the wilderness. The wilderness mentioned in today's text can't be located exactly. It it could have been anywhere on the western side of the Jordan River. Ancient tradition suggests that it is located on Mount Quaritania, a mountain just west of Jericho. Wherever it was, as Mark depicts in his rendition of this encounter, this wilderness was a howling wilderness, alive with wild beasts. We encounter Jesus in the wilderness after his baptism by John the Baptist, and before he begins his public ministry. To make matters worse, he is in this wilderness and has been without food for 40 days. He was not just hungry, he was famished and tired and drained, and in some ways in an internal wilderness. In Luke's account of Jesus' journey in the wilderness, he inserts Jesus' genealogy on Mary's side right before the temptation narrative that we've read today. The insertion of this genealogy appears strategic because it traces Jesus' lineage back to the first Adam. The son of Adam is what Jesus is described as, the son of God in Luke. And much like our reading today, it connects this story of Jesus' encounter with the devil in the wilderness story to Adam's encounter with the serpent in the Garden of Eden. As we know, Adam's encounter was not a good day for any of us. Unfortunately, Adam failed when tempted by the serpent, and he gave in to the wiles of Satan in the beautiful Garden of Eden, thereby introducing sin and death to all humankind. I find it interesting that in today's gospel text, the devil approaches Jesus, the second Adam, 
with a similar temptation in regard to eating. The same strategy that succeeded in Eden. However, thankfully, it fails here. Side note, perhaps it is possible to stop falling for the same thing. In today's gospel text, as in Genesis' rendition of Satan's attempts to tempt Adam, these temptations are not just one-offs. The offer of the bread in today's text, the offer of God's protection and power, really lead to a challenge of the very foundation and credibility of our faith. In this text, in the gospel text, Satan comes after Jesus' love of God. He comes after his heart, his soul, his mind, and his strength. In essence, Satan comes after the greatest commandments. You know, in Mark, Mark tells us of the great commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In this heavyweight encounter, if Jesus had lost, he may very well have lost his credibility as the Son of God and the great Savior. He would have lost his credibility with us, for it is in this encounter that he is fully human and experiences the hunger, the discomfort, the temptations that we all face as human beings who have fallen short of the glory of God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet has gone forth without sin." So what does this wilderness look like today? Wilderness is lonely, barren, no place to truly rest and lay your head. The wilderness is unknown and unfamiliar territory. The wilderness experience of the Israelites in the book of Exodus tells of a wilderness that is so terrifying and unrelenting So much so that the Israelites became so afraid of the wilderness that they wanted to return to slavery. Personally, in our lives today, the wilderness might be a marriage that has gone dry. A physical place where you feel as though you can't hear God's direction or you can't get a prayer through. A a dead-end situation with your job, your career. A moment where you've dreamed but your dreams have dried up like a raisin in the sun. A collective space where the things that were once constant sources of decency, order, and justice have been trampled upon for selfish or unjust gains. Perhaps it's a community, a city, a state, a nation where the cries for justice and equity and hunger, affordable, decent housing, safe places for our children to live and learn have gone unheard. We don't know much about the 40 days of fasting that Jesus committed to. But we do know that this story of Jesus and his fasting in the wilderness is the story that inspires the season of Lent that we are all a part of. We know that by fasting, Jesus committed himself to self-denial for 40 days while in an unfamiliar place. We know that he was led to that place by the Holy Spirit. So it must have been for a reason. We know that he came out of that experience with a strong enough sense of identity and confidence that he didn't fall for the temptations before him. Perhaps during this season of Lent, 
We accept the invitation into a season where we may be in unfamiliar territory, one of self-denial where we pull back from indulgences and start some new routines that we don't typically focus in on, like Bible study, fasting, prayer, meditation, song, contemplative practices. And in this season, we may very well discover our hunger and our thirst again. Sometimes the routines and indulgences of life can so numb our own hunger, our own passions, our sense of purpose and true desire can, can quench the flame for living and for dreaming. But instead, during this season of reflection, repentance, or I like to call mirror moments, rest and restoration, we may be rekindled and stirred up to dream again, to live more fully, to wonder again, and to stand back in awe at the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Or as David says, perhaps this season of Lent that we are now invited to participate in is one in which we may pray and plead with God to restore the joy of our salvation. So now let's dive into this biblical inspiration for the season of Lent. Why was Jesus led into the wilderness in the first place? Jesus was led into this wilderness moment by the Spirit. Right after the very high moment of his baptism and the words of affirmation from his parent, our God, who said, this is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased in. Some of us, are in the wilderness because of something we've done. Others are in the wilderness because it's essential in order for us to get to the next place. Some of us, unfortunately, get stuck in the wilderness, fall and are defeated in the wilderness. But in today's gospel text, we receive a redemptive witness of Jesus showing us how we can respond victoriously in the wilderness and to temptation. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of seeing God's people lose. I think it's time to change the tide and see us win. Have you heard of the expression, the broke, busted, and disgusted Christian? The one who should be the usher to bring you in with joy, but rather perhaps brings you in with condemnation or judgment? It doesn't happen at All Saints, but I'm talking about some of those other churches out there. You know, the ones who are fearful and doubtful and cowering rather than bold and courageous and vibrant and joy-filled. That's the kind of Christian that draws others into figuring out what is your secret sauce. Perhaps today's story in the gospel text will stir us up again to be the kind of Christian that others flock to rather than run from. Because there's something different about us, those that are called the peculiar people. How do we win in the wilderness and come out revived and in power rather than beat down? Well, Jesus shows us how. Perhaps in the wilderness, we must first change our perspective. Rather than the why, Lord, it's the why not. Because it's perhaps in the wilderness that we have our season of preparation. Remember, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. So stop giving the devil credit for your wilderness moment. 
Your wilderness moment is not the end of your story. In many instances, it is the beginning of something great. Jesus knew that he would eventually eat again, that he would stand as God's son and lead many others to God, but he first had to go through preparation. So perhaps the wilderness is your equipping ground. It's one thing to be empowered. It's another thing to be equipped. The wilderness is not only the proving ground, it is the equipping ground. It is in the wilderness that we learn how to fight, how to resist. It is in the wilderness that we learn how to trust in God and in the power of God's word. Jesus countered every temptation with a word and a promise of God. The word of God is alive and active when we engage with the word of God. In the wilderness, we develop our faith muscle. We can see where we're going with our natural eye. But in the wilderness, we have to turn to our spiritual eye and rest in the fact that eye hath not seen, nor hath ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man and woman what God has prepared. Perhaps in the wilderness experience is the essential aspect of how to be effective in this walk of faith. So in the wilderness we are also reminded through this text that even when you may feel lonely, you're not alone. The text tells us that Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Luke says he's, he's led in and led up. Mark says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. All of those accounts attest to the fact that the Holy Spirit never leaves him while he is there. Jesus has the Spirit with him at every point of temptation. So perhaps we need to shift our perspective of the wilderness moment. Secondly, Jesus shows us that in the wilderness is where we refine our purpose and our identity in God. The wilderness moments, like Lent, are mirror moments where we are invited to get to know who we really are and to face the truths about ourselves, our lives, our situations. As the brilliant author James Baldwin once wrote, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. That is why it's often important to face our truths, our fears, our insecurities, our history, our hopes and our aspirations. This moment of overwhelming societal problems and personal problems would make many cower in fear in the upper rooms of our lives rather than take up the courage to see the power of the resurrection in our very midst. When we do the hard work in the wilderness and face our truths, our history with, lens, with a lens of truth and courage, we're able to then truly reconcile ourselves and God and move forward in love and power. During these final days of Black History Month, I must acknowledge that all of the chatter in facing our truths about teaching black history in schools often falls short on many fronts. I offer for you to consider this perspective, that perhaps the history of slavery, Jim and Jane Crow, the racially infused suppression of voting rights, the creation of policies that promulgate racial, racial segregation in housing and in education, in churches and in workplaces, is actually not black history at all. And if we must put a name on it, perhaps it's white history. 
the story of how those who have been enslaved and oppressed by these practices and policies and yet have overcome them, resisted them, flourished in spite of them, made a way out of no way in the face of these restrictions is black history. Stories of resilience, hoping against hope, building churches, homes, schools, and communities in spite of those policies and practices. That's black history. Perhaps we tell that story because we also know that black folks didn't resist by themselves. There were many white Americans who resisted with them, who assisted on the Underground Railroad in voting rights in Selma at the risk of death who died fighting for our country to live into its ideals. That's the vital part of not white history or black history, but American history that we must tell. When we face the truth of that, perhaps we all shall be free one day. When we know our truths and our purpose, it's very difficult for the wilderness moments to distract us and to overcome us. Jesus had a different perspective about that wilderness moment. He refined his purpose and identity in that wilderness moment. And he won ultimately because he didn't go through it in his own power. Someone say power. Jesus knew whose power he walked within. So many of us succumb in wilderness moments and challenging times because we think we can get through it all by ourselves. We think we can pull ourselves up by some mythical bootstrap and make our way through. But I love the witness of Christ, and he, he shows us how, even when tempted with power, he said, no, 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 it's not about my power. It's about the one who is omnipotent, the one who is all-powerful, the one whom we call God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. I don't care how extensive your resume may be, how well your bank accounts may look, or how good you think you may be, but your power can never outdo God's power. We need God's power to live right, to think right, to do right. This is how Jesus ultimately wins in this heavyweight encounter in the wilderness just before he begins his public ministry. That's why in Luke's account, we hear him say that after Jesus resists the temptations, Jesus then comes down in the power of the Holy Spirit and goes into Galilee to complete his public ministry. Like Jesus' witness, we can win in the wilderness if we shift our perspective, if we embrace our purpose and identity truthfully, and if we look to God's power. When in the wilderness.